Welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. We have a very interesting one. As y'all know, my wife is a dietitian, and a lot of times I connect with such amazing specialists out there in the same realm of my wife, and it's just something that I'm so interested in. And this week we have Brittany, who is a registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, and founder of Brittany Medell Nutrition and Wellness, Inc., a virtual weight inclusive private practice that focuses on helping folks heal their relationship with food and body image. Brittany uses a non-diet approach to nutrition and health and practices from a health at every size perspective. Brittany helps her clients break the cycle of chronic dieting by cultivating a healthy relationship with food and helping them to reconnect their mind and body. Brittany's work is rooted in self-compassion, non-judgment, and self-care. Brittany has been featured as a speaker at the American Heart Association, New York Presbyterian Hospital, Warby Parker, Mediacom, among others. Brittany graduated from Columbia University with a master's degree in nutrition education and completed her dietetic internship at New York Presbyterian Hospital. I'm super excited because as well, we're talking about the overlap between how we eat and ADHD. And as y'all know, I got ADHD and how and what we put in our body and how we feed ourselves and take care of ourselves impacts our minds and brains and the way that we function and behave in this world. So I'm super excited to have this episode. So many overlaps of personal things as well as wonderful knowledge from Brittany. So strap in and let's get right into it. Hello, this week's episode is sponsored by Alma. Going in network with insurance can be really tough. The paperwork, who to talk to, how to get it done, all the wait time to be able to work with certain clients. Filling all of the right paperwork is time consuming and tedious. And even after you're done, it can take months to get credentialed and start seeing clients. That's why Alma makes it easy and financially rewarding to accept insurance. When you join their insurance program, you can get credentialed within 45 days and access enhanced reimbursement rates with major payers. They also handle all the paperwork from eligibility checks to claim submissions and guarantee payment within two weeks of each appointment. Once you've joined Alma's insurance program, you can see clients in your state of licensure regardless of where you're working from. You know, it's been really wonderful to partner with Alma and use it myself. Without them, I probably would not be able to do what I do as a private therapist, having a private practice in two states. So learn more about building a private private practice with Alma at helloalma.com. That's helloalma.com to get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. We have Brittany on and we met because I was on her show and we just clicked and connected and we had to make this happen because we both really got this interest with each other based on our struggles and our journey with ADHD. And it's something that a lot of people have that connection, but don't really connect. And I really just felt your energy right away. I'm like, we got to make this happen. So Brittany, could you introduce yourself to the listeners so we can get right into this awesome topic? Yes. So first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I'm super psyched to be here. 
My name is Brittany Modell. I'm a registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor. I own a virtual private practice where I work with people to really help them cultivate this better relationship with food in their bodies so they can be present and just enjoy life and enjoy food. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, you know, ADHD is such a huge part of my story both my story with food and just my story in general. I was diagnosed when I was, I want to say 12. At that point, I pretty much was like failing out of school. The mm -hmm. school board, you know, brought my parents in and said, Brittany needs to get better grades or else we're going to have to unfortunately let her go. Cause I was at a private school at the time. Mm. I underwent all this testing. Lo and behold, I had ADHD. They started me on a medication and I was getting like straight A's after that mm -hmm. point. But I, I feel like there's such a strong community of folks with ADHD, especially on social media. And I don't know about you, but it just is so validating to hear other people's experiences and be able to relate to them. Yeah. Now, for me, my story was that I was jumping off the walls. Like my first grade teacher told my parents that he just can't stop dancing. Like... <laughs> She was like this Israeli woman, and he's like, Ellie, he dancing, dancing, dancing. That's what they would say. And uh, I just had all this this like excitement for an energy of life. Uh, I actually just found out recently that I skipped nursery to jump to kindergarten because they just couldn't handle me. Wow! Like I was just so like pick me. Like I was always raising my hand. I always I didn't I didn't have the answer. Yeah, I was, and they put it down as socially. To socially um, socially mature, which is weird because I was socially immature. Um, right. But they just couldn't they just couldn't deal with me, and they kind of were like we got to get this kid up so that he kind of. And it was I remember coming home. I remember this vividly coming home. My brain hurt in kindergarten. I mean, working too hard. I wasn't ready. Like my yeah. I, I wasn't ready, but they like couldn't handle it. And I think we do a disservice to people who have struggle with ADHD or any neurodiversity or learning disability, forcing them into situations that they are not comfortable with mm -hmm. just because they might be quote unquote, annoying, frustrating, difficult to deal with. I think people are getting better. I think schools are getting better at it. Um, when you were younger, how was that like going from like zero to 60, like failing to succeeding overnight? I mean, okay. First of all, I, I definitely want to point out it wasn't just the medication. <laughs> it wasn't like the next day. It wasn't like next day you no, got those pills no. and you're like, that's I, it is. Yes. I was privileged enough to be able to attend a school that had a separate learning program where I would go in for several hours a day working with somebody one-on-one. -on -one. So I was working 10 times harder than my peers mm -hmm. just to get to their level. And, you know, I had extended- Ooh, I love that you said that. Yes. And this is especially true for extended time. I used to get into fights with my peers because they would say, well, why do you get an hour and a half when we get an hour? And I said, the hour and a half for me is basically bringing me to your level. It's not me surpassing you. It wasn't like I was getting better grades than people just because I had extended time. It just took me a lot longer to process things. So I, I felt a lot of almost like shame when I was younger. I didn't understand. And I don't think teachers knew as much as they know today. Like back mm -hmm. then, if you were to read my report cards, because I still have them, I hoard everything. But it literally says like, if Brittany only spent half as much time on her score as she did on her socializing, she would be an, an A 
you know, an A plus student. She needs to stop turning around in class. She's very distracted. They basically listed out every single symptom of ADHD, but like nobody caught it for years. <laughs> that's that's funny though, because it's true, right? Yeah, it's it's completely true. And so again, you you asked the question, what was it like going from zero to 60? I think I had been burning myself out trying to work so hard and the medication was really necessary to allow me to put that hard work in in place in a way that it actually helped me thrive in school. Yeah. And you know, while we're on that topic, medications are pretty hot topic with the ADHD world or any 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 mental health world as as itself pros and cons and for me my, my theory is I'm not pro or against. I'm for it if it's right for you. And I was on ADHD medication, I think Ritalin, Adderall, Concerta, Vyvanse, all of them. And I I stopped taking it when I was in, after high school, when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And I did pretty well, you know, graduated top of my class and grad school, because I think it was more targeted to what I wanted to do and not just like forced to sit in a class, but it was sporadic in its nature as as college and grad school. You're not sitting all day. And I started taking medication recently, like about a year ago, because having two kids, private practice, podcast, all the different things, my brain felt fractured. Yes. I couldn't keep track. So this is not an all or nothing conversation where you have to take medication forever. And for me, my struggle growing up with the medication, depending on the one I felt uncomfortable sometimes, like it was forcing me to focus when I didn't want to. Mm. And secondly was I was always extremely underweight. Drinking like two to three boosts a day. Yes. So I would love to hear your experience of medication, especially when it comes to the physical side of 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 our bodies and how we we take care of our bodies and and our relationship with food, and maybe your journey with medication and even today. Yeah. No, it's such a great point, and I think when it comes to medication it shows you like there isn't a right or wrong answer. It depends like what you need at different stages of your life. So like similar to you, I was taking medication. I think I started at at age 12 and then I took it throughout high school. It was really necessary for me to get through long full days of work. And then I had after school, I had homework. I didn't take it as much in college, but I took it mostly during exams and studying when I had to be like super focused and memorizing content is really hard for me without the medication. And I took a little bit of a break in grad school. Again, I was so much more interested in nutrition and what I was learning. So for more of like the biochemistry, chemistry, things that were really hard for my brain to tackle, I took medication then. And as far as now... You know, I I currently am not taking medication, but I will sometimes take it. So if I find that I'm having a really hard time focusing and, you know, I have to create a batch of content or emails and, and so forth, I will take the medication for a few days at a time. I find that when I'm working with clients, I like to tap into like my rawest emotions and, and, you know, because I'm so interested in what my clients were saying, it's easier for me to not take the medication, but I'm more myself when I'm not on it. And I don't know if this has been your experience, but I joke because my fiance will be like, have you, are you on your medication today? Cause I'm just not that nice. Like I'm really irritable. My fuse is so short and things that like, wouldn't annoy me like a, um, a truck going by in New York 
when I'm on my Adderall, I want to like m- just take the truck and like smash it. So it's well, well, that's but that's no not nothing against medication or all. That's that's a side effect of Adderall. Totally. I like, I'm on Vivance. I'm on Vivance right now because yeah. Adderall is such a shortage. Yeah. Oh. And yeah. It's been like a ridiculous process of like I need a medication and I can't get it. Um, right. That Vivance actually feels easy. Hmm. Like I was on Concerta because of after Adderall and it was such an extreme letdown. That means like the come down from the medication, I was getting yeah. crazy headaches, yeah. crazy fatigue and crazy, like, uh, like just intense symptoms at like three, four o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, yeah. I'm dying. This is like, I can't do this. Vivance is easy in, easy out. So I don't feel not myself. I feel very locked in. So to me, what I feel is what mental health would call flow, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Vivance helps me hit flow a lot faster and a lot, a lot more accessible, which makes me sweat a lot because <laughs> I'm like in that like mo- like that mode of like you yes. know. But when I don't take it, like I forgot to take medication this morning because I was running out of the house. Right. I don't feel out of flow. And I don't feel not focused, but I can get distracted a lot easier. Yes. And those symptoms of other things pop up. Um, and, and for you, like I know with my medication, if I don't eat before I take a medication, yeah. I don't want to eat. Yes. Yes. So can we talk about a little bit about that? you know, not on purpose yo-yo of eating when you have the diagnosis of ADHD with or without medication. How does that impact people? Can you talk a little bit about the inner workings that impacts that relationship? Absolutely. And, you know, I think, again, we're there's so much more information now than we had 10, 20 years ago. Um, with medication, a lot of these stimulants suppress the appetite. And it's like your body's almost on overdrive and it allows your brain to function so beautifully. And at the same time, you might notice that you're just not thinking about food at all. You're able to hyper-focus on certain tasks, you know, certain jobs. All of a sudden, I have clients that are like, um, it's 4 p.m. and I haven't eaten yet. So yes, like it is true with medication, we have to really prioritize food. Um, And one of the things that you can do is eating breakfast either before you take the medication or with the medication. That way you can ensure that you are getting a really solid meal in before the meds kick in. And especially a meal that is high in protein is going to be really important, you know, carbs. But we want to make sure at the very least, if you can get breakfast in before you start the medications. Um, and then like during the day, there are certain things that we can do. So setting reminders on your phone, like just a polite question, like, have you eaten yet? And so maybe that's like at one o'clock, two o'clock PM, um, you know, putting it into your calendar as if you're meeting a client or you're scheduling a meeting with somebody else, like reminder to eat food. We want to make sure that the food that we're eating is accessible, but it's also easy enough to eat. And what I mean by that is if you're not hungry, you're not trying to have like a salad with legumes and, you know, 
whatever meat on there. We want to keep it really simple. So maybe it's a bagel with cream cheese. Maybe it is a smoothie, right? Liquids tend to be much easier. Protein shakes. Keep it simple, but having something is better than having nothing. I literally wrote down, I pack my breakfast and make sure I have a protein shake midday. Like, because to me, if my body is telling me, Ellie, you're not hungry, right? Because of the stimulant. Yes. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to eat. But to me, you know what the hard part is? The things that are accessible at my house are not the healthiest for me, for me. Now I'm not putting good or bad foods. I hate that stuff. We don't do that stuff, right? To me, like, for example, my easiest thing is pasta and cheese, you know, like pop it in the microwave, just shove it down my throat and then don't have any other things to add to it that creates, you know, healthy fats or or proteins or things to the nutrients I need for my body. Not that carbs are bad, right? They're, they play a huge role in my nutrition, but like yesterday I had a lot of free time and made myself this huge salad. I had the time so I could, and I was in the mood for it. But yes. if I'm not in the mood, my wife's like, hey, I'm making a salad. My wife's a dietitian. She's like, I'm making a salad, yes. you know, and I'm packing it with pumpkin seeds and all these things. And she loves this new salad. I sent her like a reel and she makes it every day now. <laughs> and she loves it and she's obsessed with it. Great. I'm like, I don't want to sit and chew it. Now, that sounds like yeah. a very weird thing to say. It's just that I don't want to do it. So I need something toast with avocado or toast with tuna, toast yes. with peanut butter. That stuff is easy. Now, here's the thing that I was going to ask you that I was, there's, you know, a lot of shame around food. You know, this better than anyone else as a dietitian, as someone who works with people often on the daily about shame with food. How do we balance that with our mental health needs and the diet that then gets created based on our mental health needs? How do we balance that? Like, oh my gosh, all I've had this week was pasta. Because right. that was the easiest thing, and at least I ate something. I feel disgusting. Let's just say right. that's the. Let's. I know I feel that that I'm giving my right. right? Oh, I feel so fat, or I feel so disgusting about myself. All I had was pasta this week. Right. But that was the easy, accessible thing. But at least I ate. Versus, oh my gosh, I haven't eaten in a day and a half. Right. So it's almost how do like I balance that? It's a dilemma of, you know, wanting to make sure you're meeting your needs, eating enough, and then also eating things that are going to help you to feel good. Um, And when it comes to food, we live in a, a culture and a society. There's so much morality tied up with food as if, you know, pasta with butter is all of a sudden demonized. Like, well, where are the vegetables? Like, where's the protein? And when it comes to mental health, I truly believe that eating enough food, getting that basic need met is number one, because if you're not eating enough, it doesn't matter what you're eating. You could be eating all the kale, pumpkin seeds in the world, but if you're not having like adequate calories and adequate nutrition and nourishment, it doesn't matter. Our brains exclusively rely on carbohydrates for fuel. So our brains love carbs and ADHD brains really love carbs, right? There's Why is a, that? We want the dopamine. When you have ADHD, you're in constant search of dopamine, carbs, sweets. These are things that give your brain quick energy. It gives your body quick energy. I didn't so know it, that. Yeah. So it makes so much sense that folks oh with gosh, ADHD, okay. you know, they things that are crunchy, things that are sweet, things that are carby are foods that we tend to go for. And in addition to that, 
Um, you know, when it comes to safe having an ADHD brain moment, totally forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Talking about ADHD, carbs, shame balance of yes, there was there was another point that I was trying to make. Okay, so taking it back, zooming out, number one priority: eating enough food. When you're on meds, it's harder to eat that much food because Mm -hmm. you're genuinely not hungry. So going along with what you were saying, we want to find foods that you are able to tolerate and you're able to eat. If that means eating a bowl of buttered pasta every day, I so much rather that than you not having anything at all and you skipping the meal altogether. Mm. And the irony is our brains need fuel. How are we supposed to focus and work efficiently mm-hmm. if we're underfed and undernourished? Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, that, that really hit home with me with the idea of, of the pasta. I know my wife and I have discussed lately the idea of, and this is a shout out to any parents out there, that when you're tired, you fall more towards carbs and sweets because your brain's like, Stay awake, stay awake. You need to stay awake. Um, and it's it's just in survival mode. It's why a lot of parents gain weight after having kids because their bodies are dysregulated internally due to just being tired. Not that something's wrong with you or that, you know, there's a problem. It's about paying attention to your, you know, those other parts, the holistic approach, the full nature of your lifestyle. It's not that you're not moving enough or that you're lazy. You're freaking tired. And when, you know, I know I got a one-year-old and an almost four-year-old. Right. We're not sleeping that 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 great. I mean, they wake, right. each one wakes up once in the night lately for some reason. And you're just, you're just tired. So your choices are not just because you don't have a good perspective on food. It's your body's kind of forcing your brain to pick things because it needs it. It like it's craving yeah. it because your body's telling it to. So, how do we combat that to make sure that we're getting a full balanced perspective of our health and nutrition mm-hmm. versus a one-stop shop like feed me carbs kind of perspective like a zombie right. um when we are struggling so much internally because of our brains, not because we are lazy to make food or we are choosing the quote unquote wrong option for a full balanced diet? I, you know, it's such a great question. And the first thing I want to say is it depends on the person because if somebody's eating pasta every night and they feel great, they should continue to have pasta. We're going to get our needs met Overall, it's not mm-hmm. like somebody is eating a plain bowl of pasta for every single meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. Yeah. So there's this idea of like, well, if my all my meals aren't balanced, like I'm doing something detrimental mm-hmm. to my health. And that's mm-hmm. a really real fear that a lot of people have. Yes. And I want to challenge that a little bit. Like how much of that is rooted in what actually is health versus what's rooted in diet culture? Mm-hmm. What's rooted in what we should be doing, what we should be having. And I go back to the individual because if somebody is having pasta every night and they come in to see me and they're like, you know, my energy is not great. I'm not feeling good. 
that's totally different. So it's the intention behind the food choices that we want to think about. We want to have Mm -hmm. somebody eat foods that are balanced, you know, incorporating gentle nutrition, incorporating sources of protein that are maybe easier to have, adding in some vegetables in ways that are doable, and also not overthink the good and bad of foods. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think, and that's just a general, I think we need to everyone to listen to that idea that we are so convinced that certain things are good or bad. And if we do this one thing or change that one thing, then I feel better about myself because I had vegetables today, right? The biggest thing that that I'm a fan of is you just got to do your best every day with what you can do. And there are some days that you are just like, I know I have Crohn's, right? Mm. And there are some days where I have like a flare up where I don't feel well. And I run more towards carbs because it's easy and calm in my stomach. Yes. But the next day, if I feel better, I'm not going to be like, well, because I had a bad day tomorrow, right? Using that word loosely. Right. Um, now I have to make up for it. Like I have to only eat fruits and vegetables and and go vegan and vegetarian and and you know, you know, and and uh, raw diet and you know whatever ridiculous you know things out there of like, and right. I got to juice cleanse and no, like it's just another day. I just got to do my best today. Yeah. And we want to think for mental health as well is the impact that stress has on our mental health. If mm-hmm. we are so consumed by what foods we're having, what foods we're not having, what nutrients we're having, what impact does that have on our mental health? When we're mm-hmm. so worried about making sure we're getting all the proper nutrients, that is creating a lot of stress in the body as well. And a lot of people don't talk about that, a lot about the anxiety part. And I, I know I have seen, and I don't know what the real term for it is. So I don't want to make up something of the idea of that anxiety caused by food stress mm-hmm. of like the focus. I don't want to call it OCD and I don't want to call it, um, it's probably disordered eating or yeah, in some way or another. Um, but I think there's a newer term out now. I think you're talking about orthorexia, like this yeah. idea of yeah. having to eat perfectly, organically, yes. Yes. whole foods. Yes. So orthorexia is a newer term nowadays of the idea of the intense stress and control over your diet Yep. to a point where it's a dysfunction and stops you from living your life, right? If we took it, if we look at what mental health really means, it doesn't mean that you're sad one day. It means that something that takes away from the functioning of your life to live a life that is the one you want to live. Right. It's not in line with how to function properly for your life, not someone else's, right? Because anxiety for me is different than anxiety for you. It's not that, oh, I'm stressed. That's not anxiety, right? But orthorexia is this extreme intense view over control of your food and intake and the perfect clean foods and all that kind of stuff. That messes with your day-to-day life. It messes with you. Of course. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Think about the impact it has on your social life, your relationships. If you won't go to your friend's house because you don't know if the chicken that they're cooking is organic or is clean enough. So it really does, you know, affect every area of someone's life. And it really can negatively impact not just somebody's relationship to food, but their relationship to themselves, to Mm -hmm. other people, to their world. I remember I have a few people on uh, in my life that I've over the years. I'm not going to call out a certain diet here, but ah, who cares? 
like Optavia and Metafast. Oh you know, my goodness. Right. Or Optivia, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and going to a party or going to a restaurant or, or going to their house and inviting people over was always stressful for themselves and for other people because of their intense outlook on food um, and what is considered healthy or not. I'm all for people living a life that they would like to live that feels good for them. Yeah. But if someone wants to go vegan, go vegan. Is vegetarian, go vegetarian. You want to have a, you know, just eat meat all the rest of your life. Go have a good time. Right. But when it gets so intense that you are commenting on everyone else's life, when you're making other people feel bad for the way they eat, or right. when you can't go out ever because no restaurant has the perfect thing for you, or you can never go to weddings or parties or envi- environments that are social because of the, the intense feelings you have about food, I feel bad for you. Like I do, I feel bad for them because they're stopping themselves from living because of a, the wellness perspective and the, the wellness world that is convincing them and manipulating them in a destructive way. Yes. And I, I'm with you. I'm all about somebody's autonomy. I'm never going to tell someone what's best for their body. I don't know. Like they are the expert. My job is if somebody recognizes that the way they were, they're eating and the, the way they relate to food is severely impacting their daily functioning, their daily lives, their overall quality of life. That's Mm -hmm. when I step in and offer support because at the end of the day, like life is so short. And if we're so consumed by food and our bodies and what this person's thinking about how we're eating, it's exhausting. And yeah. going back to ADHD, where our brains are already exhausted, especially when we're like hyper fixating, hyper focusing, we don't need to add another thing to our exhaustive list. Yeah. And you know, it's just so interesting how how that that ties in and and I know you mentioned before I got on the call of something that I didn't know was a thing the relationship between ADHD and binge eating and restricting and I, and I can think of about three clients that I've worked with even currently and in the past couple of years where that has been a struggle of theirs and I would love to hear why why is that associated what does that have to do with it because to me is is it hyper focus is it is it is it lack of connect? Is it lack of focus? Like what is, what is really going on that I honestly have no idea. And I'd love to hear the honest, you know, the honest take and the tea on this because the tea. the tea, get that hot tea going. Cause to me, I've never heard that before. And I would love to, to be educated on it. It is such a fascinating aspect of intuitive, uh, intuitive of um, binge eating disorder and folks with ADHD. So there are several reasons as to why we're seeing this connection. So first of all, if somebody with ADHD, there is constant search for dopamine. One of the best ways in which we can get dopamine is through food. It's that eating experience that can provide that level of like stimulation. Carbs, especially sugar, gives our brain this quick burst of dopamine. So Mm -hmm. somebody might be searching for carbs and looking for things. It's not to say that we want to never use food as a way to um, get that burst of dopamine. And I did not come up with this. Somebody else did. But it's we want to create a dopa menu. What could be on a dopa menu? It could be a dope menu or a dopa menu. 
a dopa menu, like dopamine, but dopa menu. Yeah. So this could be, you know, watching a favorite TV show, going outside for a walk and getting fresh air, exercising. I have some clients that use like chew toys. If they just want that oral fixation, they'll literally chew on these like rubber um, chew necklaces. Mm. So there are ways in which we can get dopamine, not just through food, because if we're mm. only using food for dopamine, we're going to feel full a lot. We're not going to feel great. We might feel tired. Mm. So that's one reason. Seeking out uh, stimulation. The other reason as to why ADHDers binge eat is because oftentimes there are inconsistent eating patterns. So let's say whether or not you're taking medication, somebody might be, you know, maybe you'll have breakfast at, let's say, 9 a.m., all of a sudden it's 4 p.m. You're so hyper-focused on what you're mm. doing, you completely forgot to eat. So now you went from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. and your body is going into famine mode. It is hungry. That can signal your body to want to binge, to consume more than what might feel good for you. And so it's eating too little can cause somebody to binge eat later on. And I had this happen to me in high school. Again, nobody told me that this was even a situation that could happen. I would not eat all day. Wouldn't eat breakfast, didn't eat lunch, came home at 4 or 5 p.m. when my medication started wearing off. I was binging. I was eating so much food because I was ravenous. And one of the ways in which we can help eliminate, or I should say limit this, is by eating more consistently throughout the day, setting those timers, scheduling it into your schedule, making sure you're getting a protein-rich breakfast in the morning. See, it's funny. I, I would do the same thing, and I just always associated with being a teenage boy, where I would come home and literally eat through my entire <laughs> family's <laughs> kitchen. And yep. mom was like, I got to restock the kitchen again. Like, and and I'm and you know what we started doing actually. My mom would get easy like microwavable things yeah. to have in the house so that I wouldn't go nuts and be hangry and you know be moody and eat. And it was like protein. It was like these TV dinner kind of things that were yeah. like just easily accessible protein shakes in the house. But I never thought of it that way that because you're not eating, all of a sudden you remember you have to eat and your body's like, feed me. And it goes insane in the way of like, you just got to shove food down your, your, your mouth because you're so hungry Yeah, and, and then you're not eating consistently. And it's like a bad cycle because now you shoved your face at four Well, you're not eating dinner at six No, and then you're hungry at 10. Yes. And then you don't eat breakfast, right? It's like this. Exactly. It becomes a cycle. And also, you know, this happens even more so when somebody is taking medication because you have the like pharmacological side effects of medication, like wearing off, but it can happen to anyone. And it is really common in people with ADHD, this restrict binge cycle. And most of the time it's not intentional. It's not as if somebody is actively trying to restrict calories to lose weight or to change their body. Oftentimes it's really due to this idea of like hyper-focusing, hyper-fixating, mm-hmm. just completely forgetting to prioritize mealtimes. And the question I have is like, I, I know I'm just thinking of clients that I've worked with, with this issue or the struggle is the idea that they'll binge eat because of that dopamine comfort perspective. 
And then because they feel bad, how they feel, they'll then restrict. Is that, is that part of it too? Or is it, or is the restrict the, are you talking really associated with ADHD and the restrict of I'm not paying attention, so I'm not eating? It could be both. So somebody could be restricting because let's say they did binge. So let's say somebody forgets to eat during the day, they binge eat. And then they feel really shameful. They feel regretful. And they're like, well, how did I do this again? Why am I doing this to myself? Mm-hmm. Then they might restrict intentionally. So I like counterbalance the feeling. Totally. It depends on someone's relationship with food. Mm-hmm. If somebody is struggling in their relationship with food, their restrict binge cycle may not just be the aspects of ADHD that we commonly see, the hyper-focus, forgetting to prioritize. It also could be intentional restriction of, well, I ate way too much for dinner last night. I need to make up for it today. Mm. It, you know, I was working with someone recently and we we're talking about hopefully the tips that you're going to get into in a little bit about the easier things that we can do for ourselves. And I'm like, you know, if you really want that ice cream or you want some pasta, why aren't you? And the answer is because it's bad. I'm like, what does that mean? It's bad. It's, it's not healthy. I said, okay, what is healthy? Mm. And they're like, I don't know. And I said, I'm guessing you're thinking fruits, vegetables, and proteins. And they're like, yeah, of course. You know, I said, too much of anything is bad, period. I don't care what it is. Don't, don't think of it as carbs versus sugar. Like too much of right. anything is if you have too much red meat, there's actual research on too much red meat leading to things. By the way, I once had so many carrots that I turned you turn orange. orange. One of my okay. wife's best friends had that happen to her because yeah. she had she has a eating disorder and disorder, but she had legitimate uh-huh. eating disorder that all she ate was carrots. Yep. She turned orange. I had disordered eating and all I was eating was foods high in beta carotene. I fully turned orange. <laughs> And you didn't even have to go to a tanning salon. Good for you. You know, you, you want it the was cheap an orange way. glow. It was an orange glow. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh my gosh, you look so amazing. And really, you know, but, but that's a thing where like, we have such a perspective and there's such a power over us of the view of what is good and bad that yeah. even easier foods or accessible foods that we have in our home, we are afraid ashamed or embarrassed to admit that we would eat that. Yes. I always make this joke. My wife, her first love was Ben and Jerry. (laughs) And I'm her second love. Um, (laughs) And the idea is that she's a dietitian. Yeah. And she just eats with moderation. I remember like thinking when we were dating, like, oh, a dietitian, I'm never going to eat normally. Oh my gosh. We're all going to eat a salad and smoothies. It is such a ridiculous lie about dietitians is that they it have is. a they just have a healthier perspective on what is balanced life of food. And by nature we I think we have been taught for years whether it's our parents, our families, society, good versus bad. So to break that down a little bit for someone who's struggling with ADHD and they have that binge restriction and they're having shame and they're having all these big emotions and societal pressures of what is good and bad, what are those easy tips or easy things that we can do that kind of takes the thinking out of it and we trust that what we are doing 
is helpful for us and us alone. Yeah. I I think the first thing, and this might be surprising for you, is compassion. Because if you, the only thing that you can eat and the only thing that sounds good to you is toast, carbs, pasta, that is really normal. When you don't have an appetite or you're not in the mood to eat, having carbs is a really easy, accessible way to eat certain foods. And so if there's a way to remove some of the morality around foods and, and use this line of thinking that you asked, like, what is healthy food? Why, where did this come from? Where did you learn healthy versus unhealthy? And how can we start to live a life where there is a whole range of foods that we're eating because we're not just meant to eat food for nutrition. We're also meant to eat food for enjoyment, community, experiences, relationships, pleasure. And I think that often gets missed. Like we forget that food isn't just about the macro and micronutrients. It's also about the experience and enjoying time with other people and having pleasure from Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I a hundred percent would not be surprised by the compassion first, because I think that that's what we have to live in everything we do. And I'm saying that as someone who specializes with relationships and parenting, like if we don't live compassion forward, we're going to be very hurtful to ourselves. I mean, with parenting, you know, you can do everything right and your kids are screaming and crying. You know, with relationships, things happen. You got to be compassion forward, right? To be have a better relationship with yourself and with others. And compassion is one of the hardest things. Uh, by the way, just a, a plug for a, a great author, Neff, on the idea of Kristen Neff. Kristen Neff on compassion. It's a great yeah. book, great read. I think we all deserve to read it for ourselves. Um, but what are some of the practical tips that someone can put in their household? Yes. Yeah. To, to like really create the environment of reliance on those yeah. things where you don't have to think about it and you can just do it. Yes. So easy protein sources. So what what this might look like for breakfast. Protein waffles with peanut butter, Mm. protein drinks, maybe some yogurt, Um, toast with nut butter could be a great option. And then also, if there's any point in time where you can take a shortcut, take it. It's a little bit more costly in the grocery store, but it is so worth it. So buying pre-chopped vegetables, pre-chopped fruits, frozen items, getting pre-marinated fish or pre-marinated meat, pre-made soups. Um, a lot of these stores and grocery stores now have like salad bags where it's like pre-washed, the dressing's in there. You even have toppings and you just put it into a bowl. So any type of way that you can get a shortcut in, take it. It's still cooking, but it gets the job done. Um, also, if you can pair, and this is something that I do often, I always pair cooking or you know, preparing foods with something that I enjoy, which is listening to podcasts or listening Mm -hmm. to music. So I will listen to a book. I will listen to a podcast while I'm preparing foods and I make it easy. So like last night I had pulled um, chicken in my slow cooker. I literally took the chicken, dumped it in to my slow cooker, put some spices, did a jar of tomatilla salsa, and it just marinated for eight hours and it was good to go. I put in some corn tortillas and that was dinner. So how can we keep things simple? If you're able to batch cook, you know, if you can do multiple sweet potatoes, chop them up, put them into one or two pans, you have your carb for the rest of the week. You have mm-hmm. something to depend on. Mm-hmm. Frozen fruits and vegetables, 
no cook protein. So like rotisserie chicken, you know, hard boiled eggs that are already packaged, dried roasted edamame. There are so many things that we can do to make cooking easier. And if you have a partner, especially a partner who doesn't have ADHD, and you can get them on board to help you with the tasks that are a little bit harder to do, maybe that means cleaning out the fridge, which is like one of my biggest issues. Ask for help, ask for support. Say, you know what? I'm not good at using the fruits and vegetables that are in the fridge. Can you help me slice them up? Can you help me prepare them so they don't go to waste? Mm-hmm. I, I love I love that. And I know that uh, I'm a big fan of the music thing because like a good dance party like is a great thing. I know I do that in the mornings with my kids. Like we blast music and just to get ready for breakfast um, just because it lightens the mood and, and stuff of that nature. The, the fun thing is that as as having kids – we have so much stuff in the house, like especially fruits and vegetables for my daughter. She loves, she goes through like strawberries and blueberries and bananas and she just loves food. Um, and it's funny because for me, I usually eat her leftovers mm-hmm. when she's like, okay, I'm done. And like seven blueberries and eight strawberries and like half a peanut butter sandwich. She's an intuitive eater. Oh, she's right. very, my, my wife is unbelievable. She's really yes. taught. She's really taught me a lot about that. And when she she wants food, she wants food. When she doesn't, she doesn't. And, you know, we have to learn to adjust our perspective on what we should be giving her for breakfast and lunch and all those kind of things. Yes. Um, That's something that I know I've had to work on and adjust my perspective. Uh, My wife has, was already there. She was already on board on that. And, And it's just interesting that I love cooking. Even with ADHD, because to me, it's creativity. Mm. To me, it's, it energizes me. I love to cook, but it doesn't mean that using easy things isn't smarter and just makes life easier. Right. Like I know for my wife and I, we, we keep kosher. So it's yep. a little difficult to find some of the things yes. that you're talking the, about. Yes. But we found rotisserie chicken that's kosher in the Smiths that like right in the rest of the, you know, supermarket near mm-hmm. us, prepackaged kosher rotisserie chicken from the kosher section. And we're like, we buy that once a week or once or twice a week. Cause like, if we're busy or we can't think of something or what should we eat? I don't know. We just grab it and go. Um, I think we need to give ourselves a lot more permission to not be perfect in the kitchen, to not make the most perfect meals. Sometimes it's freeze, you know, frozen chicken nuggets or, or pizzas or whatever it is that our kids and ourselves are fed. And that at least we're eating food and we're, and, get, and you know what? It might not be quote unquote, the perfect food, right? but it's and food. And what is the perfect food? What's so interesting is, and I, I'm curious if you've ever experienced this with clients. I, and maybe not because it's more, a little more nutrition focused, but I have clients that tell me if, that if they don't make food from scratch, they feel like they're cheating and that they're not actually cooking a meal as if, you know, taking pre-cut vegetables and putting into a pan or making it easy is something that's negative or looked down upon, which I think it's so interesting because if we can make it easier for us, why wouldn't we? I know that I have seen this in my circles of, let's say we keep Sabbath and we have big Sabbath meals, let's say. Like I've heard people apologize for shortcuts. Like, oh yeah, you know, I bought this in the store. I didn't make the dessert. Okay. Right. Oh, I used a bread maker. I didn't make challah from scratch. 
okay. Or, oh, you know, I just, it's so easy. I just threw, you know, a, a mushroom soup in a pan with, uh, you know, noodles and baked it and made a casserole. Okay. Right? <laughs> There's a need for people for some reason to apologize yep. for not making the most elaborate, you know, massive meal. And I grew up in a household, and I'm going to use a probably a fake Yiddish word. I don't know if it's real or not, called pachki or pachka, like not, not doing crazy things with 18 right. different ingredients and 30 steps to make a simple meal. I'm going to yeah. go simple and it's going to be good. And then yeah. I'm not going to be stressed and I have time. Right. So I grew up and my mom was like that. She's like, we're not going to, I'm not going to go intense. I'm going to throw chicken in the oven, put some sauce on it and call it a day. Right. Why do I have to make myself crazy? And there were certain times of the year that she did, you know, for like holidays or, or if like we wanted a certain thing for, if, you know, for like, what do you want for a meal? Okay. Once in a while, but like my wife and I, we're simple. We're simple people. Yes. And it also allows you to not burn out on cooking. And I think if you yeah. have ADHD, that's even more important to not try and cook something with 25 ingredients on a Wednesday night. Good luck keeping track. Minimal. Minimal. Less ingredients is better. And some people do really well with meal kits because they literally send you yeah. the ingredients and they're like, here is exactly what you need to make this meal. Go I ahead. wish. I wish those things were kosher. I I there is not are there no kosher meal delivery? There are random ones and they are okay. so freaking expensive. Oh like that's so expensive. And you know, I'm big on takeout. Like if you're right. like go to takeout. If you can't do it, yes, if you don't have time, takeout. I yep. think that we need to be more compassionate for ourselves to not be the perfect version that we assume people are. Yeah. I promise you. They're not. So especially if you're struggling with ADHD and you're just trying to survive and thrive with the basic foundations of life, don't add more pressure because you got enough. And I love that you said it, like your brain's already taking in so much stimulus, doing so much (laughs) overworking itself. Cooking should be the last thing that you should worry about. Like getting dressed and doing your job, making sure that you are a good husband, wife, parent, that stuff's more important. Yes. Not your food. Another tangible kind of takeaway that somebody could do is jot down a list of items that could be your easy go-to. So if you feel overwhelmed during a work week or maybe family life is just so much to handle, if you have a list of easy go-to meals that you can depend on and go to easy takeout meals. Like if there are places that you're like, I love this takeout. It makes me happy. Add that to the list too. We want to keep things simple, keep things easy and manageable. My wife and I do that. We sit down Saturday night or Sunday, like what's the plan for the week? We make like a menu. So one, we don't think about it, have to think about it. Um, And we usually try to do either one pot, one tray, um, I love Instapot crock pot recipes. Same. Um, I fell in love with this like meat bolognese one, you know, Instapot recipe where you like throw the meat in, throw the pasta in, throw the sauce in, close it, 10 minutes, done. You don't have to think about it. It's done. Right. It's over. Or a crock pot in the morning or a dish in the morning. Yeah. Like, we make this like lemon orzo chicken. That, Yum, that sounds that was great. so good. It's so good. 
And Love we just know. we put it in like a what's it called a, a Dutch oven in the morning. It cooks for like we put it in the oven for like an hour and a half. It's done. Or you know, in the That's oven, great. salmon, a tray of vegetables and yep. pasta, done. Right. There are things mm-hmm. that we can do, and I'm a big fan of this in general for anyone's mental health. If we can sit and prioritize over the weekend, a plan for the week. What's the schedule? What do we need from each other? How do we how do we make this work? What do you need from me? Where am I fit in? Where do you fit in? Who's taking the kids here? Who's doing that week to week instead of assuming it all stays stagnant? Right. We get prepared and we're prepared. We have less stress and we have less stress. We get it done. So sit down Saturday night and go, okay, what's the plan for the week? And you know what? Who cares if every Monday you make tuna casserole and every Tuesday you make salmon, every Wednesday you do pizza? Right. Don't judge yourself. Every Thursday night, my family had pizza. Every Monday, my mom made tuna casserole. Right. Right. It's okay. I grew up. I'm pretty okay. I'm six yeah. foot two. I'm a grown man. I survived and thrived. Don't try to be perfect and try to come up with a new fancy meal. And if you want to try something to get inspired on social media from a reel or a TikTok video of a cool cooking thing, have fun. Yeah. Don't pressure yourself. Enjoy your life, you know? Okay. But, you know, Brittany, I could talk to you forever. You are unbelievable. Maybe we need to have you on again or do a live. Yes. Would love that. In the, the last minute that we have, where can people find you? And what would be one to two takeaways that you would want someone to, to come from this episode or even from your brain? Yeah. So you can find me at no food fears, both on Instagram and TikTok. I definitely show up a little bit more on Instagram than I do on TikTok. And I would say one is have compassion, compassion, compassion. I can't say this more enough. I wish I had more compassion for my ADHD when I was younger. It would have made things so much more easy. But if you can have compassion for yourself and recognize like you're doing the best you can. So that's my first, my first tip. My second tip is prioritize yourself, prioritize food, prioritize meal times. You're going to feel so much better throughout the day. If you nourish your body, it needs food. Even if you're not feeling physically hungry, whether you're hyper-focused or you're on stimulants, your body and your brain need food. So make sure to prioritize yourself. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you. Of course. Thank you so much. This was so awesome. And I would love to come back. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. It means a lot to me because without you, the listeners, this podcast can't happen. So every listen, every download, every rate, review, and share means so much to me. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Talking about wellness, mental health, and relationships is one of my passions. And that's what this podcast is all about. So thanks so much for tuning in. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, thoughts, collaborations, email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. Always feel free to DM me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Don't forget to be kind to yourself and to others. And as always, see you next time on the Dude Therapist Podcast.